Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Greetings Grapple fans and welcome to the Pro Wrestling Index right here on the AI Podcast channel. Uh, We are beginning to settle down somewhat uh, after WrestleMania and we have just had the superstar shakeup. But no shakeup here. I'm still your host Danny Wales and I am still joined as ever by my audio tag team partner Mo Chatra. Good evening Mo. Evening Andy, how are you doing? I am not so bad, not so bad. Um, Looking forward to having this chat, actually. Uh, Pulsemania, everything that's going on, uh, lots of moves back and forth, and I think some fascinating topics to discuss here. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Plenty happening since WrestleMania, so uh, lots to talk about, and we'll try and do it justice in the next uh, hour or so, for sure. Yeah, we'll... uh, we will certainly try and do that. We, we will do our best to keep it below an hour, though, gags. Don't you worry. Uh, and also, before we uh, we finish up uh, this show, there will be a little discussion to be had on certain uh, JBL and Malro Ronaldo, uh, but all of that's still to come. Uh, but let's kick things off more. Uh, post-Mania, obviously, we were all excited. We had our post-WrestleMania podcast where we broke down the full card. We enjoyed the whole weekend. What about the Raw and SmackDown immediately following it, though? Were you? Uh, how did you find them? Were you were you overwhelmed, underwhelmed, or somewhere in the middle? Um, perhaps somewhere in the middle. Um, I didn't think there was anything on either show that was particularly outstanding. Um, you know, it was good to see a couple of returns or debuts, but. Um, you know, there weren't really any super massive, you know, groundbreaking angles um, or really, you know, significant storyline advancements which uh, could really shake up the company other than the announcement of the uh, superstar shake-up. But um, other than that, um, pretty formulaic shows. Um, and uh, that was that was sort of disappointing, but... The fact that, you know, we had a fantastic crowd both nights, which was obviously um, in large part the uh, crowd that attended Mania. And, um, 
you know, we uh, had, um, you know, fantastic atmosphere at both shows as a result of that. But, um, you know, there weren't really any amazing matches and, uh, you know, nothing special in terms of angles. So uh, certainly not blow away shows, but the shows were okay. They were fine. Nothing more than that, in my view. Yeah, I mean, like you say, the, the crowds were fantastic. They they always are, I've got to say. They they always are. Lots of singing, lots of chanting, lots of fun in there. Obviously, they like to, WWE really like to get across that, um, hey, you know, um, the, the the night after WrestleMania, uh, they, they boo the guys they normally cheer for, and they cheer for the guys they normally boo for. Well, apart from Roman Reigns, of course, because they boo for him all the time. Um, so that one didn't work. I'm sorry, that just did not pass. Uh, yeah, I've got to say, the, although the, the crowd was great, there was something about the shows it just didn't have quite the same excitement of, you know, maybe two, three years ago, you know, or was it three, four years ago when we had the whole, the cash-in from Dolph Ziggler, and there was something electric about some of them shows, almost to the point where WWE is maybe... I might be, am I wrong in saying this, but maybe taking it for granted almost that the atmosphere just carries it and makes it kind of feel special. Pretty much that's right. I mean, as you say, I mean, they've had some uh, historic post-WrestleMania wars. I mean, if you think back almost two decades to the night after um, WrestleMania 14, I think it was back in 1998, um, X-Pac, um, who was known as Six Pack in WCW turned up and cut this um, superb promo and directed at his former company. And uh, it was a really monumental angle, um, which um, certainly was very significant in the whole uh, momentum of the Monday Night Wars. And um, you know, it was not much long thereafter, in fact, a week after that, Raw beat Nitro in the ratings for the first time in nearly two years. And after that, it was a fascinating battle in the ratings. And uh, now years later, we then had Brock Lesnar return to the WWE on that Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania some five or six years back. And as you say, Ziggler with that um, cashing in of the money in the bank um, to win the WWE championship um, or, you know, magnificent memorable uh post mania raw moments but uh, no such thing uh, for raw no such thing for smackdown after wrestlemania and it was pretty much just um, all about the crowd and crowd reactions um and one or two obviously um notable returns but nothing you know, too significant and I, th- I think that they decided well let's shake up the rosters and um no, let's try and advance storylines after all of that. So um, they had to be in a bit of a holding pattern as a result of that decision. And um, other than those um, couple of returns um, and NXT debut, <clears throat> excuse me, NXT debuts, um, there wasn't really a great deal else to talk about. No, I mean, you're talking about past ones there. I remember as well. The, the Raw the night after WrestleMania 19, when The Rock had finally beaten Stone Cold at WrestleMania, that was the debut of uh, of Goldberg. And um, here we are, segue alert. We actually had Goldberg signing off, but not officially signing off. He, he's gone, but he's not necessarily gone 
But strangely, they didn't do it in the show. They saved this for afterwards, and this was part of Raw talk. What did you make of Goldberg kind of saying, well, I'm gone, but you know, never say never, i.e. if the money's there uh, and they come up with a good enough opponent, you know, I might just be back again next year. Well, I think it's um, sensible to keep the door open. Um, obviously, there's a lot of fans who really couldn't care less about him and you know, would be quite happy if they never see him in the wrestling ring again. But, um, you know, there's also quite a sizable chunk of the overall WWE fan base that, um, you know, does respond to Goldberg and does like him. And, um, you know, he was getting some superb reactions at most of the uh, arenas that he appeared at. Um, obviously, not a huge number of appearances, but um, when he did, um, you know, some of those reactions were superb. Um, but I, th- I think it, it's the right thing to do. I think um, given it's the wrestling business, you never say never. And so it's sensible to uh, leave that door open because, you know, if the right opponent is there um, and the money's certainly right for him, then, um, you know, it might be, uh, it might be sensible to, um, you know, do business. And, um, you know, the promo itself was quite gracious. And uh, obviously the reactions he was getting from some uh, weren't great. Um, especially at WrestleMania. So um, it was a good way to get the fans back on side. And um, he certainly handled things quite well um, going out. So, uh, no, I, I had no problem with the way that was handled. Yeah, it's <laughs> almost curious. I mean, he, he actually made a joke about himself. His son climbing over the guardrail took more, more bumps than he did. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I, that was, I thought that was good of him there. Listen, what, on to the debuts. Now, probably the one of the biggest pops of the night on, on that Raw was probably the uh, the debut of the Revival. I mean, it, it was good to see them called up. I mean, we talked about it. We thought it would probably happen. It was certainly rumoured. For me personally, I think Raw is the right the right place for them. I think the, the setting there, the, the tag team division there, kind of ideal Great, great pop for them, though, wasn't it? Really, really huge reaction from that, um, you know, really hardcore audience there. Oh, there was. That's right. Um, you know, it was a really good reaction. Um, you know, the kind of fan base that follows NXT, you know, were packed in that arena. And um, that's not necessarily going to be the case every week. Um, you know, certainly as you go into certain parts of the United States, um, you know, there won't be a great deal of fans at those roars that um, follow or regularly keep up with NXT. So um, some of their reactions will be pretty quiet. Um, I personally felt that they would have been a better fit on SmackDown just because um, I feel that Raw is is a show that's supposed to be the more sports entertainment orientated show. And SmackDown should be the one that's a bit more focused on uh, the in-ring action. And um, I felt that the, the latter would therefore be a better fit for them. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, they're not good characters and they can't good, cut good promos. But um, no, I think that their strongest um, point is certainly um, what they can do in the ring from bell to bell. So that's why I thought that, you know, if they move across and, uh, perhaps um, reignite their feud with American Alpha 
that would certainly have been good for both teams. But um, that's not to be. And, you know, in, in fairness to the WWE, they have put Revival over strong, had a clean win over the New Day um, you know, this past week on Raw. So uh, it certainly looks like they've not been brought in to make up the numbers. And if they're given a good push and um, you know, booked well and their strengths are accentuated, flaws are hidden, um, they can be a real asset and uh, you know help to make the WWE tag team division on Raw great again because it's certainly been in the doldrums for the last um, six to nine months, despite the efforts of Gallows and Anderson and also um, Cesaro and Sheamus. Yeah, I, I just think there's, you know, there's a lot of fresh matches there for them right now. Uh, and then the matches that we recall, you know, them having with American Alpha, that they can have them great matches again somewhere down the future. And, it, you know, it's kind of saving them up and to the point where once they do finally get to have them, they will feel fresh again. So I, I like it. I think it's a good move for me. But, I mean, we're, we're talking to SmackDown there. I mean, what about what about that one then? I mean, starting with Ty Dillinger, I, I know that the way that they did it, you know, I'll give you to the count of 10. That was obviously, obviously, that was ideal for it. I thought they really could have, you know, they could have milked that just a little bit more, you know, <laughs> and actually counting one, two, three all the way through and i just think that would have really milked it for the moment but but what do you make of of the debut of ty dillinger then moving to smackdown because personally i think although i think it is too soon for him and i would have liked him to stay on nxt longer if he is going to come up i think smackdown is a much better fit for him yes i agree um you know he's another one who's very good in the ring and um you know, he's got a gimmick in the whole 10 thing that, um, you know, has the potential to get over in the way that the whole yes thing did and um, how that works so superbly well for Daniel Bryan. And that's not to say that, you know, he'll be as big as Daniel Bryan was, but, um, you know, he's certainly got something there that can make him a, a strong cult favourite. And, um, you know, we, we, we need those cult favourites um, on both brands, on both rosters. So, um, you know... The gimmick and also the fact that he's, you know, very good in the ring, underrated actually, um, means that, you know, he's he's um, the perfect guy for that brand. And, um, you know, he, he's not, I don't think, going to be somebody he'll be uh, pushed, you know, all that, the kind of main event level. But um, he can certainly fill a role that um, was previously occupied by Dolph Ziggler, as in the um, dependable, solid hand um, as a babyface. Um, occupying mid-card and, you know, be able to work consistently good matches with a variety of opponents. So uh, that was good to see that, you know, he's been slotted into that kind of position. And I think he will do quite well there. Yeah, I, I just hope he doesn't get, get beaten uh, so regularly that, that people just kind of give up caring about him in the way that they did, did with uh, Dolph Ziggler. But um, uh, anyway, so what about... Shinsuke Nakamura. Now, you know, this this is a debut that we've long been waiting for. I've got to be honest, I was slightly perplexed by it. You know, him just coming out and just being in the ring and that was it. It, it I'm not so sure. It, it really sort of, it, you know, I'm not really sure it, it really sort of hit the notes that it could have hit. But all, all the same, great to see him finally called up to the main roster. 
Well, that's right. Um, and what that suggested to me is, is that whilst they knew they wanted him up on the main roster and they knew they wanted him on SmackDown, they quite haven't figured out exactly what to do with him, who they should match him up with, who they should pair him with. Now, one possible explanation is that um, when they brought him in on that SmackDown after WrestleMania, at that point in time, they hadn't quite made their minds up exactly how the whole um, superstar shakeup would work out and which wrestlers would be slotting in on which brands. You know, there was a lot of speculation that AJ Styles might could have ended up on Raw. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, but if that's the only explanation as to why I think um, they didn't quite do anything more with him than just basically turn up and, um, um, you know, just say hello, everyone. And uh, that, that was pretty much all we got from him. And um, it wasn't a great deal different, um, even on this week's SmackDown again. Um, set up against um, several opponents, but no one individual that you know he can definitely um, have a you know a, a firm program with just yet. But um, no, I mean I, I'm sure that you know he, he'll be fine. I mean his reaction um, that first night was superb, but his reaction on this week's SmackDown um, was superb uh, to an even greater degree. And, um, you know, it was in front of a crowd that wasn't that typical hardcore WWE fan base that watches NXT. And the fact it wasn't, and he still got a superstar reaction, um, certainly bodes well for him. So I think he can be a very, very important figure on the SmackDown brand this year. Um, but I think they do, you know, you're quite right, need to come up with um, a solid storyline for him pretty quickly. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's just kind of perplexing, a slightly odd way to introduce someone if you're not going to use them physically, but, uh, you know, by the by. It it was, all in all, a pretty nondescript SmackDown, considering, you know, it it was straight after main Rafael. But uh, so so we had the announcement anyway that, you know, we were going to get this superstar shakeup, as Vince called it. Um, Bit of a cheesy name, but uh, there you go. Before we get into all of that, though, more you know, before we start talking about you know who's gone where and all the rest of it, two guys that stayed on the same show uh, and kind of ramped things up was uh, Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns. Now, actually, briefly before we we uh, we touch on that, a little word on that the opening to the to the Raw uh, immediately following WrestleMania with Roman Reigns in the ring with a crowd just chanting for The Undertaker for, what, five, nearly ten minutes? And him just entering the words, uh, sorry, him just muttering the words, you know, this is my yard. Now, I, I've got to say, probably <laughs> one of Roman Reigns' finest moments so far in WWE. Oh, it was. It was um, magnificent. The uh, crowd was electric. Um, just fantastic heel heat. And... Um, you know, that was just um, one of the, the great atmospheres we've ever seen um, on a Raw after WrestleMania, for any Raw for that matter. Um, the crowd, in fact, expended so much energy um, in booing and creating that vociferous reaction that um, they almost burnt themselves out um, in those opening 10, 15 minutes. And, um, you know, that, that was certainly great. And the fact that he only muttered a few words saying, you know, this is my yard now. 
Uh, that was just really, really good. So, um, you know, I was completely fine with that. And uh, I certainly um, was good for his characters where he didn't go out there, cut a cheesy baby face promo that was going to be shit on. You know, it was a kind of almost tweener type promo that, you know, if you like him, you know, it won't come across like um, a heel type promo. And, um, you know, if you don't like him, then, you know, it just works right into um, your kind of feelings about him. So uh, it was very cleverly done. Uh, but it, it, it was almost um, a predictable reaction that he got and they knew exactly what the reaction would be. And, um, you know, they booked that very well. So that was that was good. Yeah, very succinct, very succinct, very smart, like you say. And I mean, you talked about heel heat. I mean, let's remember, Roman Reigns, he's not a good guy. He's not a bad guy. He's just the guy. But Or is he a guy? He's the dog now, isn't he? Isn't he the big dog? So is he? he's not a bad dog. He's not a good dog. He's just the big dog or something like that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he'll... Suffering succotash. I'm sure he can get that one out there somewhere. So, so what about this this whole thing with uh, with Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman? I laugh, and I don't I don't apologise for laughing because I thought from start to finish the whole thing was hilarious. From the sit down interview with Michael Cole and the crowd, just from the sight of him on screen, the crowd started booing, and then we could hear them singing. Roman sucks. Roman sucks. Uh, then Braun Strowman attacks him. The crowd start cheering. That uh, they then chant, uh, "Thank you, Braun." Uh, was it? Sorry, thank you, Strowman. Yeah. Thank you, Strowman. <laughs> <laughs> and when he's on a stretcher, they start, then start chanting, "You deserved it. You deserved it." <laughs> so yeah. um, it was. It tickled me. I thought it was really funny, and and it's just, you know, if Vince Vince McMahon must be the only person that still thinks Roman Reigns is actually still a babyface, or even potentially a tweener, you know, that the guys the guys a heel. He, he's a heel with a crowd. Just just embrace it. Really has to embrace it now. I, I mean, the the way that the crowd cheered to that whole thing. But I've got to say, I, I mean, it obviously it had to be. You know, a dummy for 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 pushing the gurney over 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 the side and onto the floor. It absolutely had to be because it's it is too risky to do that. Otherwise, it was quite clearly you know that they'd done that. Uh, you know, it was well done, but still clear that they'd done it. But you know, what really got it for me, what pushed it over the edge, was Braun Strowman apparently lifting an ambulance and turning it over. Now. Okay, the, the guy can bench press ridiculous amounts, but but lifting what a one and a half, two ton ambulance and pushing it over that just happened to have some stoppers next to it and something else behind, you know, I, it really it went from it, it went from the spectacular to the just plain silly and it, it was just just too, just way too silly, like eighty silly for me more. Uh, as funny as it was, it, it just kind. I just think it went a bit too far. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the things I used to moan about was that um, they didn't come up with angles that were outside the box. And you know, if you think back to the Attitude Era, th- these are the types of things that they regularly did. You know, these backstage skits that took probably several hours to film 
and um, yeah. you know several takes. Sorry, but like they, they did, but they also tried to do them in a in a somewhat believable manner as well, though. Uh, well, yes and no. I mean, we had some pretty goofy things, um, uh, cars crashing and cars being set on fire. And, uh, you know, if you think back to um, Katie Vick and, um, you know, the boss man with, a, um, you know, the uh, coffin being dragged behind um, a vehicle and all that, you know, we had some really, really hokey stuff. Um, you know, we had the boss man also being, um, you know, hung at WrestleMania and, you know, we had, we've had some really, really nonsense um, angles. And, you know, I think that they're just trying to kind of go back to some of that kind of stuff, which is a bit outside of the box. So, I mean, if you think about it up until last few months, um, we really haven't had that. Whereas in recent times, we've had that. We've had um, the whole um, thing between Bray and. Uh, Randy Orton, where um, they've come out with, you know, two or three acid-induced angles and skits, you know, such as um, Bray's um, compound or whatever it was being set on fire by Randy Orton. Um, so they're trying to do things that are a bit different. Um, but um, so I, I applaud them on the one hand for trying things that are different. But on the other hand, um, you know, there's trying to be different and there's different, which is just naff. And, you know, in the case of this angle, it really was naff because it was so obvious that, um, you know, he was, you know, Roman Reigns wasn't on that gurney. And, um, you know, it was so clear, as you say, with that jump cut that, um, you know, that was not um, one single take and he didn't fall off uh, from that height. And, uh, yeah, it just it just looked really, really cheesy and not in, not in a good way. I mean, you have some stuff which is cheesy that can work. And, you know, you think back to some of the uh, Santino Morella stuff. Um, some of his cheesy stuff worked quite well. But um, in this instance, no, it, it really didn't. Um, and, you know, if the whole idea was was to try and get some sympathy for Roman Reigns, well, dear, oh, dear, uh, it was a complete and utter failure then. Because if anything, it just got... Strowman over is the biggest face in the company if those reactions were anything to go by. Um, so whatever the whole intention was with all of this, um, and I suspect it was Vince saying, look, we need to do something to get Roman Reigns, you know, you know on the, in the good books of the fan base. Well, it just didn't work at all. So they've got to go back to the drawing board and figure something out. The, the obvious thing, as you say, though, is that, um, they need to just accept the fact that he needs to be healed. But as we saw with John Cena for so many years, they just refused to accept um, the reactions and continue to push Cena as a face. Um, and in the end, you know, he, he is somewhat accepted as you know, what he is. And in a way, I can understand why they feel the way about Roman Reigns, because, look, I, I think Roman Reigns is, is a superb talent, one of the best talents in the WWE and I think if you asked a lot of these fans at these live shows well, why do you boo Roman they'll say oh he sucks and if you ask them well okay why does he suck and I don't think they can give you a straight answer I think it's just because it was one of these things that just spontaneously started at a Royal Rumble two and a bit years ago and then it just carried on after that 
And yes, I mean, you know, you can argue, well, you know, fans are booing because they don't accept him as a baby face. Um, but, you know, he, he's not even like a clear, clear, clear cut baby face. You know, he's this kind of tweener type character that is quite cocky, is quite um, arrogant in some ways. And, um, you know, even then they still boo him because it's just the thing to do. And, um, you know, I think when you get down to it, um, even if he was to turn heel, um, you know, I'm just wondering what type of reactions he would get. Um, so maybe that's why the WWE thinks that, look, yeah, OK, um, he, de- he does get those negative reactions on TV. But actually on at the house shows where they do get a distinctly different audience, he actually gets... Um, you know, a very, very different reaction. A lot of the house shows, which are not televised, obviously, uh, Roman Reigns you know, does get um, very strong babyface reactions. Um, but the TV shows are the ones that they tend to draw more um, of an older fan and less kids. And um, because obviously it's a school night, Monday night and Tuesday night. Um, and so therefore, um, you know, it attracts a certain type of audience that more inclined to boo him. And, um, you know, I, I just uh, find it whole, wholly frustrating because, you know, you know, beyond all of the booing and the reactions, that, that's just a fantastic talent. He's one of the most consistent main event workers in the WWE. He has so many great matches over the last 18 months in main event matches. And, um, I mean, he, he's not a great promo. He's not a great personality. Uh, but he, he's got star presence. There's no doubt about that. And, um, and I just think that um, you know, the, the whole booing thing is, is just something that sometimes does get a bit blown out of proportion. Yeah, I will. I will concede more that. Okay, it wasn't a, a coffin being dragged down the road. It wasn't uh, a dog being fed. To its owner, it wasn't a man having trying to have sex uh, with a corpse, but but it was a bit silly. I, and I do think that if they just allow him to turn heel, allow him to go full on heel, allow him to have that freedom with his character, I think his promo work and his character will really come along. And by WrestleMania next year, he'll, he'll just probably organically organically become a babyface anyway. And and I agree with you. They will then have probably the you know the the biggest star in the company. But um, we could we could talk all night about the whole Roman Reigns thing. On to the superstar shakeup and and the movers and the shakers. It started early. Apollo Cruz to Raw. Absolutely earth-shattering news, more. <laughs> well, talk about uh, you know business kind of changing uh, announcement. You know, before Raw even come on the air, <laughs> that was, uh, and that was you know. before we knew about Kurt Hawkins. Oh God, yeah, no, it took Twitter by storm, trending number one worldwide, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just. Um, Completely underwhelming, wasn't it? Nobody uh, really cares about. <laughs> I've no, got to say the way, the way they sorry the, the way they started the show though. I mean, John Cena's music hits, and you think, oh, um, then obviously, yeah, all right, okay, it's it's the whole Miz um, parody thing again. 
a pretty good start to the show. I, I do feel that that joke has kind of wore thin. It for me, it wore thin sort of about ten minutes into the whole segments they were doing a couple of weeks ago. But that that thing is one thing now. He's done it. Okay, move on. But. Yeah, a good way to kick off the show straight away. Miz has come across, then Dean Ambrose has come across. Um, and, and I think the initial thing was it strengthens the mid-card on Raw. And as we'll get to later, the turnaround, I think, is even better for SmackDown, though. Oh, I agree. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I've always been of the view that SmackDown is the more wrestling-orientated show. Raw should be the more sports orientated, sports entertainment rather orientated show, and I think that Miz is somebody who is more suited to Raw. You know, he's somebody who's more of a sports entertainer than somebody who's um, more about um, being, you know, a world class in ring talent. And that's not to say he's poor in the ring. Certainly not. You know, he's, he's very good. You know, he's improved a lot in the last couple of years, but um, he's certainly not on the level of um, a lot of the top guys that are now assembled on the SmackDown side. And, um, you know, I think they can do a lot more with him in terms of character um, type stuff, uh, more storyline type stuff over on Raw. And, you know, some of the stuff he was doing in the build up to WrestleMania with Cena um, alongside um, Maurice and uh, Nikki Bella was really good. Uh, I mean, there were one or two really cheesy angles there, but. Um, some of the promos back and forth were um, you know, amongst the highlights of the uh, build-up to WrestleMania. And, you know, if they can do some of that kind of stuff um, over on the Raw side, where I think it works a bit more better than it does on SmackDown, then um, you know, I think he's well-suited to that. Um, the only kind of shame of it is, is that whilst he was over on SmackDown, it did feel that, you know, he's on the cusp of, you know, moving back into... Um, world title reckoning and now he's moved over to raw where their equivalent of that belt the universal championship is held by a part-timer in brock lesnar well i just don't see brock and um brock and uh the miz going back and forth in a program anytime soon so the best that he can hope for is a feud for the intercontinental championship so um Whilst it looked like, you know, he might be getting back into main events um, after a several year hiatus. Uh, well, I, I just don't think that's going to work out for him. So that's the only flip side or downside rather to him moving back to Raw. See, I don't see that as, as a downside because personally, I don't think he's main event status. I don't think he's that main event caliber. I think he's a really good mid carder. He's a good talker. He, you know, he, he delivers a, a, a a promo really well. I think he's functional in the ring, but I, I don't see him as a, as a, as a main eventer. And I'm glad he's not going to be involved in the world title because for me, he's not that level. He, he's the, he's a level below uh, and he's good at being that level. And that, but I think I might be in the minority that, um, that really don't see him as a main eventer. And I think there are a lot of, genuine bona fide main event stars on that roster and I really don't think he's one of them I just think he is very good in that next level and what he does is I think he 
you know, the, the likes of the, the US title or the Intercontinental title, that level, I think what he does is if he's got that belt or he's going for that belt, he does a lot for it. He really helps that title and that level. And I I just don't see him really bringing enough to the top level. And I don't, I really don't see people being invested enough in him if he's at the top of the card. But I know I'm probably in the minority of feeling that way. Um, just moving I mean, along. Don't get me wrong. I mean, don't, sorry, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not one of his biggest fans, and I don't think he's. Um, I think there are people that are certainly more deserving of being a world champion or universal champion in the WWE, but um, I don't think there's any denying that he's improved significantly um, in the last couple of years. And um, now he's one of the few people in the company that I think is a really effective heel. I think it's very, very easy to dislike him. Um, and, um, you know, that, that that's something that you can't say about a lot of heels. So, um, you know, that that's um, you know, one of the th- strong kind of points about him. Whereas um, a lot of the other heels in the company, you know, even the Kevin Owens, you know, he, he's so likable um, that, you know, you almost don't want to boo him. And so you can almost argue in a way that Kevin Owens isn't an effective heel because, you know, the whole point of being a heel is that you're supposed to be disliked, um, you know, not be a cool heel, not get cheered and, get these almost baby face type reactions. Uh, whereas with the Miz, um, you know, he's expert at getting, you know, heel heat. And uh, you know, in that regard, you know, he's very effective at what he does. I do feel though that I, I agree. Yeah. People do want to get behind Kevin Owens. They do like him, but I think Kevin Owens is great in that he doesn't try and embrace it in any way. You know, it doesn't try and be a cool heel. As soon as people start cheering for him and getting behind him, he turns on them, and he's so adept and uh, you know at ad libbing and turning on the audience and twisting it against them and quickly getting them to boo him again. I, I just think he's he's brilliant at that, and he's probably one of the, if not the best mic worker they've they've got on the roster at the moment. Oh, he's he's very good in that way. Yes. Um... And that's part of the reason why he does sometimes get babyface reactions because, you know, he, he's so good on the mic and the way he kind of puts some of his opponents down, um, you know, that, that, that type of stuff gets over really well with the audience. And, you know, part of being an effective heel is to try and cut out all of those things that fans like. So if you think back to Chris Jericho and when he turned heel, um, some what nine ten years ago, and he started cutting very monotone promos. Um, he was cutting out all of the stuff that people liked about his promos, and um, like, trying to really kind of tone down his whole personality and his promos. Um, and that worked really well, and um, his reactions were very good. Um, so I mean, that's not to say that Kevin Owens or anyone else who's supposed to be a heel that gets good reactions should follow suit and do the exact same thing. Um, but it just goes to prove that, you know, to get genuine heel reactions when you're a heel um, in this day and age is, is very difficult. Just in the same way that, as we know, with Roman Reigns, for a baby face to get proper baby face reactions is also quite difficult. Um, you know, people, um, you know, respond to personalities and, um, 
you know, set of things that they just find cool. And it could be anything. It could be a ring entrance. It could be a catchphrase. Um, it could be anything. And if they latch onto that, then you know, it can take an individual very far. And um, I think know, there's, a, I think there's, understanding. yeah, sorry, Mark. I, I think there's a real element of that sort of long-term respect amongst the fans as well. I think, you know, that they feel that, you know, you've really delivered in ring consistently over a period of time. I think there's almost like that, that respect level in the way that John Cena seems to have turned a lot of people, you know, onto his side over the past couple of years, the way he's been willing to put people over, the way he's clearly helping the younger talent and the up-and-coming talent and the guys coming across from NXT you know, willing to work with anyone, willing to adapt his game and, and you know, and, and try new things. I think it's it's almost like, like like where Kurt Angle was, you know, years ago where people were, you know, the, I've said this before, you know, people were singing the, the you know, the you suck along to his song, not not to give him the heel heat, but in, in justice to play along with the game and that actually, you know, that they truly, they genuinely respected him. And I think, I think John Cena's kind of turned a corner in the past couple of the years with a lot of fans, a lot of hardcore fans even, you know, in their opinions have changed a lot. And, and I think there is a, I think there's a growing sort of, that kind of feeling amongst fans, you know, that, that, that it's, you're earning their respect as to what you can do in the ring consistently. And, and I think there are some of the, the baby faces that probably, don't quite have enough time under the belt that once that once they've got you know enough matches that they garner that the respect from the fans that they they really hold them in such high esteem that they're ready to cheer for them you know if they you know they feel that they're the baby face and they're supposed to cheer for them they respect them they'll cheer for them i think there's i, I mean did, <laughs> am i you know just piping on here or i feel i just feel that there's there's you know, maybe it's the change of audience over the years. Yeah, I mean, the audience has certainly changed um, compared to the past. And, uh, you know, in the past, generally, um, heels worked a certain type of way, cut promos in a certain type of way, um, their body language, their outfits, even their hairstyles <laughs> in a certain type of way. And um, you know, fans knew, okay, well, this is the person that we're supposed to boo. And um, likewise with baby faces, you know, they worked them, you know, in ring stuff in a certain type of way. Um, and you know, classic tag team matches where you know um, were very easy to kind of um, put that kind of face heel dynamic. And um, you know, in this day and age, um, you know, fans don't respond to those types of things the way that they used to. And so for, for promotions, it's, you know, and it's not just WWE, it's all of the promotions out there. It's just about understanding what gets a negative reaction, what gets fans pissed off, what gets them to boo, what gets them to cheer. And what worked 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago doesn't necessarily work today. And that's a part of the problem that they're having with Roman Reigns is that, um, you know, they um, have tried to rely on um, their kind of thought process around booking him as a character um, in terms of the promos they give him and the way they book him in feuds um, that worked you know, in the past. 
but clearly that doesn't work now. And rather than accept that and try and do something different to get him over his face, um, they still persist and persist and persist with you know their tried and tested um, ways of doing things. And it's just simply been a, f- a complete failure. And that's where they just need to understand, okay, well, what is it we need to do to get the fans to cheer him? Now, if you think back to last year, um, he um, was involved in, I think, in an angle with Triple H where he just completely battered him. And, uh, you know, at the start of that, he was getting quite you know poor reactions. But when he really, you know, went to town on Triple H, he was getting great reactions. Um, and even if you think back to one of two times when he's reformed with Seth Rollins last year um, and did spots which were like those that they did um, when they were part of the Shield. You know, they got good reactions and he got good reactions for that type of stuff as well. So it's not to say that he just won't be cheered under any circumstances. they just got to figure out, as I say, what can get the fans to cheer him. And, you know, part of it might be to turn him fully-fledged heel um, and you know, really amp that whole thing up and if that gets over then they can subtly turn him back to face again and uh, by that time those negative reactions should be gone um, but you know they, they just have almost um, some cowardice there in pulling the trigger for somebody that they choose to be the face of the company and we saw that for years with John Cena and now we're seeing it with Roman Reigns. And I just don't think that you know, they'll turn him fully, fle- fully fledged heel. And I think that's a shame because, you know, they're just hurting themselves and they're hurting him by um, not kind of embracing what's so obviously um, a required change in his character. Yeah. Uh, just get, <laughs> we obviously we, uh, we cannot this, but we, we keep moving off topic here. Uh, get bringing us back on to, to the superstar shake-up. What, what about the whole women's uh, division thing there? We, we've seen Mickey James and Alexa Bliss move across to Raw, which, which which got quite a positive reaction. I mean, the fans seem to be quite into that one. Uh, and consequently from that, we've now had um, Charlotte move across to SmackDown. So so what about the women's division then? In, in the way that that's Tamina. changed around. Oh, sorry, yes. Uh, and Tamina, <laughs> who... Who I just assumed was on SmackDown anyway, but you know. Well, I <laughs> so what about that then? I mean, that I've got to say quickly, what you know that that whole thing on SmackDown, you know, calling out the entire women's division, and there was like four women stood around him. That, that was that was quite sort of depressing, really. Well, I was getting excited actually because I thought, oh, this is good. They're finally going to acknowledge that it's not worth having a separate standalone women's division on SmackDown and he's trading those four women for the entire cruiserweight division and moving them over to Tuesday nights. But that wasn't to be, instead it was to announce that um, Tamina and Charlotte were transferring over um, to SmackDown from Raw. And, you know, Charlotte's an exceptional talent. She's very good. But um, even with her presence, I just don't think that division quite has what it takes um you know to really be anything special and um i just feel that the whole roster would be so much more effective as a unified division on raw you know they typically book two 
segments per Raw uh, for the women. And if they had the whole of that women's division exclusively on Raw, now they could book three, four segments on a three-hour show quite easily and um, do some really, really good stuff. And the different types of feuds and programs that they could book in terms of um, you know the variety that they'd have on offer um, would also mean that the characters would um, feel a bit more fresh and less yeah. stale um, because well, they've well, got you wouldn't get that to work with. Yeah, you wouldn't get that overexposure that we we tend to get at the moment, and the fact that you've got the same two or three women constantly fighting over the title on both shows, and it does. It well, just that's right. t- It takes the shine off it, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, with Charlotte now, um, she's got, what, maybe two, three individuals that she can work with on SmackDown. No, she's not going to feud with Tamina. She's not going to feud with Natty. Well, not immediately. Um, it will be Becky and um, Naomi to begin with. And after she's feuded with them, where does she go from there? Um, so it, it really is quite... <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if they decide to bring Asker in, um, you know, Summer maybe Slam. some slam, then yeah. uh, that might be a good um, opponent for her. But, um, yeah, it, it's just... Um, it just feels very thin on the ground, you know, that roster. And even on the, on the raw side as well, um, there's a bit more depth there, but not a great deal more. And um, I just think they're missing a trick here. And I'm hoping that if the women's divisions on both brands stagnate this year, then WWE might accept, OK, um, perhaps the best thing to do is just to uh, unify the divisions and make them exclusive to one of the two brands. And um, likewise with the um cruiserweight division i just feel that that'd be far better suited to tuesday nights um purely because i think that tuesday nights and smackdown specifically um should and has always been and should always be the more uh wrestling orientated show so what about the tag team division then i mean we've seen the shining stars come across uh you know that, that does nothing other than to to give you know someone to comfortably beat you know another another uh, jobber team but the new day moving across that that's that's quite a big one isn't it it is yeah i mean it's a, it's a big one but it's a very good one as well because they really were starting to feel um stale on raw um you know they were still getting very good reactions but um you know as champions you know, they'd done everything they could do on that brand, um, fought with everyone on that side. Whereas coming over now to SmackDown, um, you know, they can have a good uh, feud, you know, when Kofi's back or even before Kofi's back with, um, you know, the revitalized Usos at some point, who, by the way, had a really good match with American Alpha on SmackDown this week. I was really impressed with that match. Um you know, there's maybe one or two other teams there as well um, that you potentially have a feud with. And they could always decide at some point to turn New Day heel or even maybe go heel with American Alpha. And, you know, that feud as well can be quite good. I mean, New Day um, are another team that I actually think uh, are underrated in a way. They 
have worked you know, a lot of good matches in the last uh, couple of years um, in, in several excellent matches and uh, they don't get enough recognition for how good they are in the ring and I think they have got several teams there on the Smackdown side um, that they can do some good work with and also um, you know Primo and Epico were really a, a joke act on Raw but maybe on Smackdown with a slight tweak to the character and not flogging um, timeshares then uh know it might actually mean that they feel a bit more relevant um on the smackdown side and speaking of um relevant um i think aiden english um now that he's lost his um partner uh gotch you know as a singles competitor especially with that singing gimmick could um potentially get over and um i think if they do something with him um you know then you know he, he might still be uh a useful uh, singles competitor on the SmackDown side. Well, we're talking of the singles division on, on SmackDown. I mean, the WWE Championship feels really, really cold. We've got Bray Wyatt, who's supposed to be the main contender. They've just had the match at WrestleMania. They're going to have a rematch, this House of Horrors thing. It just feels like phony crap as it's done all the way through that feud. He's gone off to Raw, so... Obviously, nobody actually believes that the title's going to change hands there. That title couldn't feel colder if it was sat in a bucket of ice. But the flip side to that is Kevin Owens comes across to SmackDown with the US title. Suddenly, the US title feels bigger than the WWE Championship. We've got Sami Zayn come across as well. We're going to be getting Rusev on SmackDown. We've already got Shinsuke Nakamura now. We've got AJ Styles. SmackDown feels like it's going to be the show that you really are going to have to watch every week because in-ring product could just be absolutely fantastic. Oh, God, yeah. Um, you know, they've got a really deep roster now, um, some exceptional talents, and uh, the different kind of matches that they can have um, should make that show really good. And on top of that, they've got... Um, um, Ryan Ward is the kind of main booker and of all of the writers in the WWE he's the one that impresses me the most and uh, I think the combination of him as booker and also just the depth of talent um, with AJ Nakamura, Sami Zayn um, Kevin Owens and um, you know, several others, you know, Dolph Ziggler is a very very uh, good worker too Rusev is as well um, You know, they should be having really good shows every week. Um, no, not least for the reason that they should be having very good or if not excellent matches on TV every week. I mean, if you think back to um, some of the glory days of SmackDown, such as when uh, Paul Heyman was a booker, you know, we would be getting an excellent match pretty much every week. And there's no reason why they can't return to that with the roster they've got. They really have no excuses. You know, they can you know, put on a 15, 20 minute main event and if you give that amount of time to any of those top guys that I just mentioned, um, you're most guaranteed a really good, if not excellent match. So, uh, you know, it's it certainly um, worked out very well for SmackDown, in my view. And of the two shows, um, that will certainly be the one that I'll be more, most looking forward to on a week-to-week basis. Absolutely. And I think the one last thing we, we haven't mentioned on that is the swap round of Byron Saxton and... Um... 
oh god, what's his name? Um, the other fellow that was on SmackDown has now gone over to. Well, um, I, I, I call him. I call him Jennifer Hudson's husband. <laughs> yeah, that's the fella. Exactly. That that's how significant he is on there. But but yeah, we've had that switch around as well, which acts really does make no difference to things whatsoever. Um, but but talking of announcers, I mean, we do have potentially we have some really good things to look forward to. Like you say, there we you know. Raw for me, look, it feels like it's going to be pretty much the same as it's always been. But SmackDown could now be really, really uh, great stuff to watch in the ring. But out of the ring and the commentary table and some of the stuff uh, going on, but going on behind the scenes, uh, Maro uh, Ronaldo has now removed uh, WWE from his Twitter bio. Obviously, people reading into that, he's going to be doing some boxing uh, commentary, lots of uh, talk about what's been going on behind the scenes uh, with with uh, with Mauro and the the mental health issues that he has and allegations of bullying with JBL. I mean, do you want to uh, go into a bit more detail on that one? Yeah, so, I mean, this is a story that's been um, rumbling away since before WrestleMania, in fact, when um, Mauro missed... Um, one or two SmackDowns and um, it emerged that uh, Mara was taking some time off um, due to his bipolar uh, condition and um, depression as well. And um, from certain tweets um, that were made, um, you know, perhaps cryptically, perhaps by him, but then more explicitly by um, his very good friend, MMA legend and commentator Baz Rutan, um, it became clear that um, part of the reason for Marrow disappearing was um, the alleged bullying that um, Marrow was subject to from JBL. And you know this story's kind of progressed since then. In uh, since WrestleMania, it's been a, a big talking point. Um, you know, there's been a lot of mainstream media that has really um, latched on to this but there's also been a lot of mainstream media that's completely ignored the story and that's what really annoys me that um you know there are certain elements of the mainstream media that um have no intention of covering this story simply because the people that cover the wwe for these outlets um are fans of the wwe that quite like to be able to get access to the wwe and wwe superstars uh, for interviews and things like that and um you know that that's um you know that that's um, something that i found disappointing but you know it, it's a legitimate story there because bullying is something that's not exclusive to jbl so for people that are you know giving jbl a hard time you know that that's fine and fair enough but it's really the tip of the iceberg bullying and harassment is something that is endemic within the wwe and it's something that has been there for decades and a lot of it unfortunately comes down to the top guy in the company in vince um you know he he is a bully quite simply and uh you know he um is always behaving this way because that's just what he knows that's how he's always operated in business i mean for those that watched his interview with jim rome some 13 14 years ago um you know you saw that firsthand on camera um you know he doesn't like being questioned 
and you know he likes to be a very dominating individual and in the bubble that he exists in you know that's something that he he can get away with and um you know it's something that filters down from him and it goes all the way down to um you know um you know certain individuals um who are classed as rock locker room leaders and uh, you know jbl was one of those when he was a wrestler he was somebody who um was classed as a locker room leader and part of that role meant that um when newcomer newcomers came into the company um part of testing them to see if they could hack it in the wwe was you know for the likes of jbl or bob holly to test um, these youngsters you know give them a hard time you know, pull no punches um you know in matches and uh you know also give them a hard time you know subject them to hazing you know backstage traveling in between shows all of this kind of stuff and in this day and age that that's well in any day and age that's just uncalled for and it's unnecessary and um as i say this is just something that's um a part of the culture of the WWE, unfortunately. And I think the WWE is trying to bury its head in the sand over this issue and certainly have no intention of getting rid of JBL because if they do that, it makes it an even bigger story. And if it does, then it draws more attention to um, all of these other issues within the WWE. And, you know, if they start going further into it and they unearth some of the stories about Vince and some of the things that he subjected his talents to, some of the things that his executives in the past subjected talent employees to, it really, really would make the WWE look very, very bad. And um, you know, they, they're desperate for this story to go away. Whether it does or not, whether it builds uh, more momentum, uh, we'll, we'll just have to keep an eye on over the next, you know, you know, in the ne- next few weeks or so. Uh, but it certainly. Um, something the WWE needs to do something about because, um, you know, increasingly they'll be scrutinised more and more for this type of stuff. And we've already seen in the last couple of years um, the former Hugh Morris, um, ex-WCW star, who then became the uh, trainer um, at NXT, um, pretty much have to be fired because of bullying accusations. So the last thing they want is more attention around this type of thing especially given that they have their own charity and that's an anti-bullying charity that does outreach work in schools and things like that. Um, so it'd be highly embarrassing for the WWE um, you know, for this story to get any bigger, but the only way to avoid it becoming any bigger is to stamp it out and ensure that um, all of these types of practices that, um, you know, almost like a time on a tradition of the WWE or even the wrestling business, um, you know, just rooted out. Yeah, I'd, I, I, I'm inclined to agree. I, I think the the WWE are just waiting for this one to. Uh, they're, they're just going to see out the storm and wait for this one to go away. And as much as I understand people are venting their fury at JBL, I'm afraid firing him would be like taking a paracetamol for a broken leg. You know, it's it, it's it, he's a symptom rather than the actual cause of the problem. But um, yeah, we'll just, I think we best leave it at that. So, so more, we, I mean, a lot to talk about tonight. We've, we've got through an awful lot. And uh, like we say, you know, things beginning to look uh, quite interesting for the future. Uh, and uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll get more to talk about next week uh, as the shows 
with the new rosters begin to settle down. But before we get there, anything that you'd uh, like to plug to the listeners before we sign off for this week? Uh, just real quickly, I'm on my travels um, over this Easter weekend, attending a couple of uh, British wrestling shows. I'm really looking forward to um, there's a show um, Easter Friday as we take this, which is um, Fight Club Pro. They've got a big event in Gags, hometown of Wolverhampton. And um, the lineup is just absolutely mouth-watering. Um, they've got um, the WWE UK champion in Tyler Bate teaming up with one of the stars of the initial UK uh, WWE UK Championship tournament, Pete Dunne, and also another uh, person who starred on NXT in um, uh, Trent Seven going up against um, Kenny Omega, who's one of the hottest independent stars, um, who fought in that famous six-star match earlier this year, teaming with the Young Bucks, who, in my opinion, are the best tag team in the wrestling business today. That's going to be an incredible six-man tag team match. And we've also got some other fantastic talents like um, Penta, Elom, uh, Will Ospreay, um, uh, Marty Skill, Zack Sabre Jr. It's um, just incredibly star-studded with some of the best independent talent around. Um, it's an incredible show. Um, every match could be a five-star match. That's how good it is. So seven matches of pure awesomeness. Looking forward to it. And then I've got um, on the Monday night the debut of a new promotion called Lucha Forever. Um, and their show will be live on um, the Flow Slam um, on demand network. So um, that's another one I'm really looking forward to. Another really good show um, with a lot of the guys that I've just named. So, uh, you know, really, really good weekend of action. And uh, yet again, you know, British wrestling um, bringing in talent from around the world and putting on some of the best shows that you can see anywhere. So uh, really, really looking forward to the weekend. So are you, are you going to uh, keep the fans up to date on uh, on them shows and more details besides via your Twitter account? Yeah, sure. I'll be uh, tweeting out from those shows, hopefully, and um, letting you know how great they are. <laughs> if these shows are anything less than great, I'll be absolutely shocked. Um, certainly the Fight Club, Fight Club Pro show, certainly lineup wise could end up being uh, one of the best shows in all of wrestling for 2017. That's how good the lineup is. So uh, really looking forward to it. And um, we'll certainly be uh, tweeting about it and hopefully uh, talking a little bit about it on next week's pod. Excellent. Look forward to that. Uh, you can uh, catch and follow this show on Twitter at PW underscore index, where we will, uh, make sure uh, if you're not already following more we'll uh, we'll post them up as well we retweet some of them things from more over the weekend so you can share some of that action but that wraps up this edition of the pro wrestling index right here on the anfield index podcast channel as always i want to thank more chatter for joining me and we want to thank all of you for listening and hitting that download button but until next week next week from myself more uh, andy wales and my audio tag team partner more chatter it's bye bye now Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello Fresh. 